Hi everyone, welcome to episode 23. My guest today is a BJJ brown belt and founder of the Jiu-Jitsu event versus me from Toronto, Ontario, Canada, Carlos E. Rios. It's time to high five and fizz bump. A jiu-jitsu podcast for the everyday grappler. Let's talk subs. Let's talk positions. Let's talk dominating the mats. Welcome to the Let's Talk Jiu-Jitsu podcast with Raymond Terrence. So my guest today is a BJJ brown belt from Toronto Nogi. He is also the founder of Versus Me, which I like to call VSME, which is a gi and no gi event held across Canada. Carlos, let's talk jiu-jitsu. Yeah, awesome, man. How are you? Thanks for having me. Good. Thanks for being on, buddy. Um, so I'm here with Brian also, our, hey, hey. my famous co-host. Um, <laughs> so yeah, thanks for being on the podcast. And uh, maybe tell everyone a little bit about uh, how you got started in martial arts. Yes, of course. Um, so once again, thank you for having me. Um, let's talk jiu-jitsu, the perfect name. Honestly, it's awesome. <laughs> um, so how I got started with jiu-jitsu. So I was, I think, 23 years old when I actually started. Some people might say that's a little late. Some people say it's normal. Um, I don't think it's ever late to start jiu-jitsu. But I was 23, 24. I was in university. Um, I was studying philosophy. And I was actually in a band. I was traveling a lot in a, in a band. I was playing drums. And my singer kept missing practice because he kept going to this thing called jujitsu. And I kept <laughs> getting upset with him. And little did I know it was going to become like my biggest obsession. <laughs> and one day he, we got in a big argument. He goes, you know what, Carlos? I actually think you would really like this. You should come with me one time. And I went with him to this place called Combat Arts. Uh, it's a school in Mississauga that I've actually only been there once ever. And that was literally the first time I ever did jujitsu. I've been there a few times, actually. That's really close to the airport, isn't it? That's right, yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. I, oddly enough, that was the first time I ever experienced it. I brought gloves, uh, thinking I was going to punch someone. That, that's how little I knew about what I was about to get myself into. <laughs> and I guess I went through the same journey that everyone does at the beginning. Some random skinny dude said, you want to roll? And I was like, I'm going to kick this guy's ass. <laughs> and he wrapped his legs around me, and lights started to go dark. And next thing you know, I'm tapping. And I was like, what the hell is this? <laughs> then the school owner said, let me demonstrate a technique on you. And he just – I remember the feeling of him – I remember like it was yesterday. It was butterfly guard. I didn't know this at the time, but now thinking back, I was in his butterfly guard. He arm-dragged me, pulled my hips back, and took my back. And I was like, how did you do that so like effortlessly? But anyway, so I did that, and I realized how much I liked it. Um, I forgave my singer, <laughs> and then I looked, <laughs> where can I do jiu-jitsu as close as possible? Ian, my current coach from Toronto Gi, was teaching the jiu-jitsu program at York, and so that very same week I found out, I, I went to his program, he was running it three times a week, I, I started with him, and to this day, he is uh, still my coach, and he's a black belt, and he was a blue belt when I met him, so that's kind of cool, wow. and then I signed up for another school so I could fill it uh, the entire week, so I could train five, six times a week. And that's kind of how I got started, yeah, through school. And before we opened up Toronto No Gi, because it didn't exist at the time, he said to me, hey, if I open up a school, because he was teaching out of York University, he goes, if I ever open up a school, would you come with me? And I'm like, absolutely. And so he did, and I went with him, and now we're here. No, that's really cool. So tell us a little bit about Toronto No Gi. To be honest with you, I don't think I know anything about Toronto No Gi, Brian. Do yeah. You, uh, do you know anything about it? No. Not at all. Eh? So tell us a little bit about the school and uh, you know, students and your instructor and – yeah. So it's really cool because Tronogi, I mean, not that it's not, not that I'm biased in any way, but uh, <laughs> Tronogi, uh, it, it, it has an interesting reputation because obviously by the name, you know, we don't do very much gi. We do once a week. Uh, I've been trying to do it twice a week recently just because, you know, you got to do both. Mm -hmm. But, but um, yeah, we are a bit of a dark horse because first of all, my coach was a blue belt when he founded the school. That alone is a big risk. Right. That's just worth it. <laughs> Um, and it was not only was it blue belt, it was Nogi only. So at the, at the time we were actually affiliated with 10th planet. So we, I actually got my blue belt from Eddie. Um, and then we opened up, uh, kind of grew a little bit. Then we switched affiliations. We were the Chris Brennan. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Chris Brennan. He's also known as the King of Kimuras. He's yeah. a Nogi guy. Uh, he gave me my purple. And then we switched to, uh, Robert Dreisel, who we've been with for years now, um, and yeah, that's basically so. Anyone in our school, a lot, especially our instructors, myself, uh, Ian, um, Leo, we are all very familiar with the Tenth Planet system. So if anyone's looking for Tenth Planet in Toronto, even though there is no school, we used to be that school, so we do know that system. Uh, we're aware of the flaws and the successes of it, uh, so that could be a topic of conversation. Nice. But uh, but yeah, that's how it kind of got started. What what to say about it? 
You know, even though we're only no gi, and again, not that we're being biased or anything, every time we go to tournaments, granted, it's not that often, but when we do, we only send a handful of people, and we always medal. I'm not saying I'm not saying we're the best school ever, because we're not, but, but you know, we don't have, like, 150 students and sending out 80 students to tournaments and coming back with 12 medals. You know, we're sending 12 people coming back with eight medals. Like, right. so we, we, we do have a nice ratio of talented guys and we do have a couple of guys who don't compete that often but that are killers i think every gym has that that one guy who's like why aren't you competing and they're just like meh <laughs> and they're just the silent killers at home but yeah that's basically the gist of our school we're very much nogi based mma based i shouldn't say mma based but you know a lot of mma guys come to our school to work their nogi game okay and that's what we do okay nice and where are you situated in uh in ontario in toronto the young and st Clair, right outside the st Clair station subway station Okay, nice. Okay, good. So you, you were saying that you're a pr primarily no-gi school. I, I find that really interesting because Montreal, uh, I have to say that we don't really have a lot of those, you know, schools that primarily do no-gi and they don't have much gi. Tenth Planet, I think, in the South Shore. Yeah, yeah well, Tenth Planet is technically the only one yeah. here in Montreal that really focuses. I mean, there's West Island Jiu-Jitsu that does tons of no-gi, but they also have, have the gi their also. share of gi classes. Sure. So I find that that really interesting. Uh, it, are, there, are there a lot of schools in Toronto or a few more schools that, that offer that as a program too, like mainly no-gi compared to gi? Uh, in Toronto, well, in Oakville, there's a school called Parabellum. Uh, they're a fantastic school owned by Rory McDonald, and um, yeah, they have all no gi. Uh, is there any other? Hmm, trying to think, we don't have any Tenth Planet affiliates. Um, I mean, we have a lot of schools that are have a strong no gi program, but I don't. I think we might be the only ones that are strictly no gi. Okay. And oh, in Apex, well, they're also gi. A ASTMA, yeah, no, they're all gi and no gi. Wow. We're the only ones that are strictly no gi. But what in Montreal? What about H two O? Aren't they also all? No, no, they 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 offer both. Oh damn! Interesting. Yeah. No, that, that's that's really interesting. I I think I think there's something to that. I think there's a big market for that also. I don't think you need to do both. And I think just I think that the, that idea might be new to the. BJJ scene, and I think someone who has tons of experience who has been doing jiu-jitsu for 30 years might say the opposite, you know, might be like, no, like, because back in the day, it was all no-gi, right? So I think it's, it's it's like doing that curve that everyone always talks about, you know, how like moves come back for a little bit, they leave and whatnot. I think that's what's happening right now in jiu-jitsu. It started off as all no-gi, and then kind of transitioned to the gi as things evolved a little bit, and yeah, well, that's that's technically what it was before, you know, when, uh, you know, when we talk to, you know, people who have been doing jiu-jitsu 20, you know, 30 years, like Professor Mark, or we talked to Phil, you know, it, when they started, it was, it was mostly no-gi, you know, because guys wanted to do MMA, so yeah. they were really focused on no-gi, and then gi started getting a little bit more popular, and then people started evolving in jiu-jitsu, and now you're seeing another wave of schools that are really focused on no-gi, and a lot of no-gi events, so I wonder if there's going to be another sway down the line of maybe a, a big focus on no-gi compared to gi, I don't know. I think there's always going to be a, a divide. There's always going to be that one side of people that are more partial to the gi, like myself, mm -hmm. and then other people that are just, they just want to do no gi. Yeah. I think it's always going to exist. Yeah. I don't think there's going to be a sway. Back then, I think it might have been just because it was so new. Okay. And there just, there wasn't that many options. And, mm. you know, maybe people just started no gi because they didn't have gis. They didn't have access to them. And they just said, we'll just do no gi like they do in MMA, you know. Right. That's possible. So, and, and I mean, something that I ask, I get asked this question a lot in, in my school, both from beginners who joined the school for the first time or, or just friends and peers who say, what, what's better, gi or no gi? I, everyone has their own opinion, um, obviously. But um, what I always tell my friends and my students is that, um, I mean, do both. I'll ultimately, always do both. I'm a little bit more biased in terms of no gi. And I, I always suggest no gi first. And, and I'd like to kind of share my, my view on why. But uh, even though we live in Canada and everyone wears jackets all the time, you know, there's the, the, the clothes. And, and I agree. I'm not disagreeing. Totally true. I would rather have my muscle memory go always go to what is always going to be there. You know, your neck is always going to be there. Your wrist is always going to be there. Hopefully, don't fight people without limbs. Uh, your ankle is always going to be there. Your hip day. So having that muscle memory to immediately arm drag and go for the wrist or go for the leg, to me, that's a little bit more important. Instead of having that muscle memory, look for the lapel. Even though it may only cost you three seconds, that, that to me is vital. Once you get the muscle memory to become an, you know, no-gi oriented, if you want to call it that, then you can start adding those 
unlimited layers of, of the fun experience that is the gi. Uh, I'm I'm doing gi like twice a week and, and I love it, but I, my muscle memory is all no gi based. When I roll in the gi, I am rolling. I'm looking for underhooks, overhooks, and, and I'm rarely grabbing sleeves. I only grab when I feel like I need that extra oomph or the extra grip or the extra leverage. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but that's just, that's just an opinion. It's not wrong or right or better or worse. That's just what I tell people when they ask me. You want your muscle memory to go to what is always there. Mm-hmm. It's also more athletic and there's a lot more like you know scrambling for better or for worse. But you know it it is what it is. Okay. Yeah, what do you guys faster. think? No, it's definitely faster. Like you said, more athletic for the no gi. Yeah. So you said you do do you do gi twice a week. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's something I've been doing the past like I don't get me I've done gi many many times, but the past few weeks I've been making it a goal to do it twice a week. Yeah. I guess that explains because you guys are prim- a primarily no-gi school, but I saw that, that you were a brown belt. Um, I think you, you're like a four-stripe brown belt, right? Yes. Okay, so you guys still get, I guess, belts, like gi belts with, with with stripes, I guess. You guys get promoted in the gi? Yeah, well, that's the thing. Our, our master is uh, Robert Drysdale, right? So he's a big you know, um, advocate of the gi as well. So he, he's the one that said, if you're going to be under me, there's going to be gi at least once a week. And I remember him saying... It should be way more, but at least give me once a week. <laughs> you know? Okay, we'll do you once a week. Okay, okay, that's, that's good. It, but it's awesome, yeah, I like it. Oh, that, that, yeah, I, I think that's really cool. I think as long as there's like you can have a balance, but even if you don't, I mean, you guys are focusing on something. And I mean, we were talking about this in previous podcasts about, you know, schools that don't have, you know, like 200, 250 members. Um and yet, you know, they still find people that still want to go out and compete. I don't think it's based on the amount of students that you have. Um, you know, uh, big schools will only send out, you know, sometimes they only have three or four or five active competitors, you know, yeah. even though they're 250 or 300 students. So it's kind of cool to see that, you know, even these smaller schools are still able to send out, you know, eight or 10 people to go compete, which is really neat. Um, do you find, do you guys find that you have enough tournaments in Ontario to keep yourselves busy in, in, in uh, the Nogi? Specifically in the Nogi, eh, you're asking. Yeah. So so the thing is, my school, sadly, doesn't compete that much. And we have a lot of fantastic talent. It's something that we've been trying to change recently, you know, get people to, to go out and, and compete. And it usually takes that one or two, those one or two people who kind of start throwing themselves out there in competition that kind of become role models for the other ones in the school to be like, oh, you know what, they're doing it, I should do it too. Mm-hmm. But in terms of access to turn, I mean, there's the grappling industries, there's the IBJJF, there's the versus me events. Like, if you want to compete, and if it's something you crave, I mean, you'll find them. And you guys are in Montreal. You guys, I don't know if you guys know, but, like, the 10th Planet guys, those guys are traveling like crazy just to go to tournaments. Yeah. You know, there's a will, there's a way. Like, if you want to compete, you will find the tournaments and go to them. I think we have enough. I think we have provincials coming up on the 8th. There's the Parabellum Classic happening, I think, in November 14th. Yeah, uh, there's all the Versus Me events. We have one or tw- once or twice a month. Uh, in terms of no gi, yeah, I think there's there's some. Not as much as gi for sure, but there's some. Nice. And so uh, we can get it definitely into in, into the versus me. So so you founded the versus me event. I, I guess you don't call yourself a a tournament, do you? No, 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 no. So 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 how how would you describe it to people who who have never done it or don't know anything about it? Sounds it? to be more of a like a league. It is, it is more of a league. Right. Uh, the way we like to think of ourselves is like a competition platform, uh, and we're going to be diversifying into other activities and sports, but uh, we started with jiu-jitsu because it's a big passion of mine and, and the co-founder. Um, so we – we uh, yeah, we're like a league. If you, I don't know if you noticed when we did the Montreal events. I mean jiu-jitsu tournaments are still not – they're kind of frowned upon still in, in, in Quebec or illegal. We don't have – we're not tournaments. We're not racing – uh, we're not putting people on podiums. We're not giving out medals. If you think about the event we did in West Island, who won? Like, you can't answer that question. There, so it's, it's funny. It's when people don't even think about that. It's like, oh, yeah, I guess that's right. Nobody really won the thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so 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 we do have that great area. But, um, yeah, we're not a tournament. We're just an online league. People roll, and we, sco- we score them. That's the cool thing about the versus me things is, is how we score them. But, ironically, that's not, what, that's not what's popular about it, which is a completely different topic. You always got to let the market – tell you what's cool about your product or service Mm -hmm. but but yeah we're more of a competitive league we rank people based on how well they perform in rolling against each other and they just get benchmarked online uh some of the best guys in our system are actually from montreal uh that that's cool what's it called um homa man 
they, yeah. they got really good guys in there, at least the people that have competed out of there. Um, but yeah, that's what we are, a competition platform versus me grappling. And then what soon's going to be versus me board games and versus me gaming for video games. Oh, that's cool. So explain to people how the how the system works for the, um, um, I guess, for the ranking. Yeah. So the ranking and the event. So, you know, I, I, I've been to a few events and I, I competed in them. So so I know how it works. But explain to people, you know, how, how people are ranked and how they accumulate points and, and yeah, all that fun sure. stuff. Sure. So the, there are a few things about these events that are like a staple or something that we always want to maintain. And one of those is the time. It's never gone past three hours. Even though we've, we usually always start on schedule, sometimes we start a little later, but it's never been more than three hours. That's something we're, ha- we're happy about and proud of because, you know, you've got a lot of things to do. So number one, our events are quote-unquote express events, if you want to call them that. Uh, so you sign up online, and you get, you get matched up with two different opponents uh, who are similar size and similar skills. If you're a purple belt that weighs 150, if there's another purple who also weighs 150, you'll be matched up with him or her. Uh, and if there's no one who's a similar size or rank, it's the closest available. So if you're, if there's a bunch of white belts and blue belts, and then there's a black belt and a brown belt, obviously those two guys are going to go against each other, or a purple belt and a black belt. Kind of like I think that happened to you in the last event. Yeah, that happened uh, to me. <laughs> so, but the cool now, but the cool thing is that the scoring system is okay. So if you're a black belt and I'm a white belt, the black belt is expected to win. So if the black belt wins, he's only gonna get like zero point zero three points. But if the white belt beats the black belt, the white belt might get seventeen points. Not even in the decimals. These are just examples. Yeah. Uh, so it's the difference in belt, difference in size and weight, difference in gender, and difference in score or experience in the versus me system. So if you've competed many many times and we know that, that also comes uh, into play. So if you get matched up with someone way better, you shouldn't actually get worried because i mean if you, you have nothing to lose if you win you're gonna gain a lot much much more than he is and if you lose well you were expected to lose as, as bad as that sounds right like, like if he's a black belt and you're a blue belt don't worry just go out there and have fun and test yourself and and see how it goes mm-hmm. that's kind of how we do it that that helps us commoditize these events and what i mean by that is we're able to have events you know with 20 sometimes 15 30 people and even if we don't have that many people to fill divisions People can still fight each other and call each other out, and the call-outs is the other exciting thing, which I'll talk about in a second. But people can actually, men and women can compete against each other. The whole point of versus me, or the way that in which it is popular, the way in which people like it, not the way it was, not the way in which it was intended to be, but the way in which it's become popular is that people see versus me grappling as a middle spot between tournaments and in the gym it's in that sweet spot in between where those who have never competed in the tournament can go to a versus me event and get that feeling of competition get that adrenaline running without breaking the bank without spending all day in there without being too worried about like quote unquote a record if some people care about that a lot it's just like a middle ground that's how it's seen and perceived and that's how we're starting to sell it um and the call outs so the call outs is a really cool thing because if you ever go to a jiu-jitsu tournament and you see a dude walking around and like, oh, man, I think I can take that dude. You can't really call that guy out. <laughs> but that can definitely happen in our events. And, and if you get called out or if you call someone out and that person says, no, nah, man, I'll skip, well, that, that tells you something. He's like, wait, what do you want? You don't want – what, are you afraid of me? Like, are you, like, you know what I mean? It's, it's cool. I've always wanted that personally. Like, I just want to call someone out. And, and they can't say they let me because we're competing, you know? Yeah. That's, that's something that's really cool. And yeah. girls and guys. A girl can call out a dude. Yeah, that was cool. In the last event, there was a few girls that tacked out some of the guys, which was really interesting. And what was fun too is when I competed. So I competed in. I, I knew I don't compete a lot in in nogi. Or I say, I would say I don't train a lot in nogi, but I like to compete in nogi just because if I'm going to be there, I might as well do both. Um, but at at your event, uh, when they had it in the West Island. Uh, there was another purple belt that was there that weighed less than me that ended up by getting me in a triangle, and he, and and I ended up losing that one match. And afterwards, I was like, oh, man, I can't – I never get caught in triangles. This is so crappy. And then he <laughs> came back to me, circled around maybe like an hour later, and he was like, hey, like I know we already went at it, but hey, do you mind going at it again? And I was like, damn straight, I want to go at it again. You got me in a triangle. And I ended up winning my match, which was good. So we were kind of like we were joking about it afterwards. It was kind of neat. You know, he, he wasn't like, you know, being a punk and coming back, be like, you know, I already got you one, so I want to fight you again to get another win. It was yeah. just like, it was another purple belt that he was able to grapple against, right? And it was just a lot of fun. I think the call-outs were good, especially when you have higher belts. And, and you know, it's fun for people who want to challenge themselves. And maybe, exactly. you know, if they're blue belts, they want to call out a purple or a brown, or you want to call out a black belt just for the experience. And it kind of re- reduces that stress of, 
you know, spending 130 American for a big tournament, be having it be single elimination, you know, if you lose your first match, you're out. Um, I think it's a really good format. What I wanted to mention, I, I, I sent you a message because I think a big selling point of of the event would be what you, you probably already know, but I wanted to mention on the podcast is to really focus on the white belts. What I mm-hmm. notice is that white belts are very hesitant to a compete. Like there's something that, that, that kind of pushes them to want to compete, but it's like, maybe they don't want to spend the money and maybe their nerves are taking over a little bit. But if you say, Hey, you can come, I guess, compete slash just participate in an event and uh, gain a little bit of experience for like a fraction of the cost. I think there's a ginormous market there for all these white belts that are hesitating signing up to these big tournaments. And like you were saying, just getting their their feet wet to just experience those jitters and doing a first little competition. I think there's a huge market there for all the schools um, to get these white belts in that tournament. Not to say that you can't get any of the higher belts out too, because it was a a really great event. But I think there's a big market for white belts, especially because we see it all the time in our gym i mean there's tons of white belts that want to compete but you could tell they're a little nervous and you know and they always ask well how expensive is it do i have to travel and it's like it's a little bit of a pain but offering them something local with a little less pressure i think a lot of white belts would jump on that bandwagon absolutely absolutely even in schools it's white belts and blue belts that drive your business yeah um and, and 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 you're right because white belts being white uh, in, in every sense of the word in terms of their jujitsu and their experience in the sport, a lot of them ask the question, well, I don't know if I'm ready to be in a competition yet. Like, they're waiting for a coach to say, you're ready. It's nice for them to go on their own and kind of like test the waters, like you said, and, mm-hmm. you know, get, get the jitters out of the way. I, I completely agree, man. You're, you're totally right. Yeah, nice. And are you holding events outside of uh, Quebec and Ontario? Not at the moment, but we will. We definitely will. Okay. Okay, good. Okay, that's really good. So tell us a little bit about um, your training right now. So you're a brown belt, and you say you're focusing a little bit more on, on, on Nogi. So what, yeah. what, what kind of game do you have in Nogi? Obviously, there's been this big fad that's, I think, sl- coming to a, a low right now, which is the whole leg lock system. I think there's a you know a big bump in that, and people are freaking out over it. I think there's a calm now. <laughs> Ever since Donaher on Joe Rogan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but why would you ignore fifty percent of the body? Exactly, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so maybe tell us a little bit about you know your, how how you're teaching sure. and how you guys are approaching nogi. Yeah. So uh, my game is more of a figure four game. That's uh, kind of what I'm known for. I am definitely known for for kimuras and figure fours, and I've given seminars on it, and I've won many matches with it. Uh, so I love that. I absolutely love the figure four. Um, I used. It's funny because. The, it, a white belt, your job is to kind of like test the sport, learn as many games as possible, figure it out, get get have fun. That's white belt. Blue belt, you kind of think you have a game, you stick with one thing, but it might not be your thing. But you like I used to do rubber guard, and I used to be known as the rubber guard guy when I was a blue belt, and I am not a rubber guard person. Purple belt, you start to find you start to fine tune everything, and you start to say, you know what, I'm not as good as I thought on that rubber guard, but this Kimura thing is working. A brown belt, you definitely have a game solidified, and for me, that's the figure four. And in black belt, you don't even think about the game. It just kind of happens on its own. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's kind of my game, the figure four. As a smaller person, I also play a lot of half guard. I would rather be on bottom half guard than mounted on you. Believe it or not, I would much rather be on the bottom half guard than mounted on you because I just see a lot more entries, a lot more opportunities to go to your back. Because if you're small, the best thing you can do is kind of get under the opponent's hips and under their butt and kind of like push them on top to kind of take their back. Because I'm a, I'm a small dude. Um, I'm very flexible because I'm very flexible. I tend to play a lot with my butterflies. It kind of has helped me gain a lot of advantage over others. But that's the cool thing about jiu-jitsu. If you're flexible, leverage the fact that you're flexible. If you're big and strong and heavy, leverage the fact that you're big and strong and heavy. And that's where the art component of the martial art kind of comes in. We're all different, so we all have different paint brushes to use to do our art, so to speak. And then we all have different techniques on top of the fact that we all have different bodies and different um, attributes to our bodies. It's really unique. Jiu-Jitsu is fascinating. It's, everyone is truly different in so many ways. But, uh, but yeah, that's kind of how we do. The way in which we train at my school is, um, you know, it's a little laid back where it's very entrepreneurial in the sense that if you want to really – and this, I'm speaking just for our school. If this is – if you want to get good at jiu-jitsu, a lot of it really boils down to you. You can have great instructors. You can have great coaches, great uh, videos, great 
training partners. But at the end of the day, what are you putting in? How's your nutrition? Are you getting up in the morning to go to the gym? How many rounds are you putting in? Because at the end of the day, you can go home, right? When you're rolling, are you just rolling and going, oh, that was another round, great? Or are you thinking to yourself, shit, I got passed three times or I couldn't take the back? Some people just roll and roll and roll, not really analyzing how they're rolling. So in my school, it's very laid back in the sense that we teach you that you need to think for yourself. We teach you that you need to develop your own game. We teach you the importance of of having your own drive to improve. But if you don't pick up on that, it's a perfect school to kind of just come in and get your rolls and get your get that sweat and go. Not necessarily to improve by someone holding your hand at all times. You know what I mean? Yeah. I wonder if that's a personality trait or it just comes with, with time and experience when it comes to like starting to analyze what you're doing in jiu-jitsu and start working on those things that aren't working. Cause I noticed that happened to me like when I got my purple belt type of thing. But before that it was like, yeah, my, my, like my jiu-jitsu is okay, but it's like, I wasn't analyzing. Okay. Well, you know, for the next couple months, like I need to work on this cause this is really sucking. But at purple that start, you know, coming around, but I'm curious if there's people that just, that, that never end up analyzing what they're doing when it comes to jiu-jitsu. Sorry, Brian's dog is, like, going crazy. Uh-huh. He has this, like, little dog, and apparently that has a giant voice. Yes, <laughs> we does. can hear it all the way downstairs. And it's supposed to be quiet right now, but... <laughs> but, yeah, I, I, I don't know what you think about uh, about that, Brian, about, you know, people kind of never analyzing their jiu-jitsu. And kinda... I think it's a character trait because yeah. I've noticed talking to certain people uh, you as that's the first person I was thinking about. I know you took a kind of a journal yeah. about a lot of your your sparring sessions and your classes and stuff mm-hmm. when you were a lower belt. Yeah, and maybe you just got lazy with it, whatever you didn't do it anymore, or do you still do it? I don't think you do it anymore. No, I did it as a white and a blue belt, yeah. and then it was just I, I just let it go. But I use it now. Like I, I use what I wrote yeah, now. Yeah, you, you reference it now. Yeah, but I think you're mm-hmm. a, like an analytical kind of guy. Like you like to do that kind of thing. Yeah. You like to take notes and stuff, whatever. So I think it's yeah. probably a character trait. Yeah, I didn't take fuck all notes. I mean, and maybe I should. You know, mm-hmm. what I mean, maybe my game would be better today. But uh, it's a smart, definitely a smart thing to do. And it's one of those things, just like in school, where a student who's a little more studious, more academic, you know, he might do a little better because he takes these extra notes. Whereas the guy who doesn't. And he goes more by intuition and stuff like that. Maybe he doesn't advance at the same speed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a good thing, but I think it's a character trait. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. The one thing I actually do recommend a lot of people do, I mean, the, the journal is amazing, but to me it's a little, I don't want to use the word time consuming, but time consuming, you know, like sometimes I'm, I'll forget or I don't know. I just, but I, I really like filming myself. If you, Everyone has super HD cameras with them 24-7. All of us have like... Yeah. The best fucking camera ever. That's a good point That's because a, a lot of people point. are visual. Some people are visual. Yeah. Some people are auditory. Some people are whatever. They, 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 they're more academic, like to read stuff and write stuff. But you're right. A video is not a bad thing, especially for, for people that are more visual. Mm-hmm. And we tend to have our phones right there on the mats on the side. Yeah. Just pick it up, <laughs> lean it against the wall, and then important, ask your partner for permission, and then just film yourself. Because yeah, a lot of times I'll see myself and be like, oh, man, why do I always post like that? Or why don't I post there? Or, I always stick my head out like an idiot and I don't notice because I'm not watching myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess that would be a good way to kind of, I want to say speed things up, but to kind of maybe come to a realization a little quicker about things that you're doing wrong. Because eventually you will figure it out, but it will take you some time because you're not staring at yourself rolling, right? And you know what's funny is um, when um... – Carlos, my uh, son, has been doing jiu-jitsu for two years more than me, I guess. He's probably like seven years now. Uh, he's a brown belt. And he, um, when he first started, I hadn't started doing it yet, so I was just watching him. And I mm-hmm. watched him do it for two years, every class I was there. Or he was 15 years old. So when I started, I advanced pretty quickly from white to blue. It took me like 10 months, whatever, to get my blue belt, which is a little quicker, I think, than the average. Much quicker, yeah. Right? So, yeah. But Fred said, he goes, you know what, Brian? He goes, you watching for two years every class. And then talking about it with Jonathan and what you did. And in the beginning, I was learning and asking questions. And then after a while, I was suggesting things to Jonathan, even though I had never done it before. And maybe that's a little bit, you know, kind of stupid, whatever. But you're a dick. Yeah, I was (laughs) a dick. Come on, John, do it this way. Dad, you've never done it before. (laughs) Oh, yes, you're right. But uh, no, it really helped visually. It really helped like to watch it. So maybe I know that if I videoed myself, Mm-hmm. And I'd watch it afterwards. I'd be like, who's that idiot? What's he? Oh, that's me. Wait. 
<laughs> I mean, yeah, man, seriously. I mean, how much do we, if you think about it, I mean, I, I, I'm sure, I don't know if you guys have, you know, friends or, or peers that you teach. Of course you do. And when they ask you, hey, can you give me feedback? What do you do? You watch them roll and you say, well, I see you do this and you do this. Let me give you these pointers. Who's to say you can't do the exact same thing for yourself? Like somebody's got to watch and tell me what I'm doing right or doing wrong. And a lot of times we don't notice what we're doing because we're the ones doing it. Yeah. And I, and we also bring up too when people get injured, right? All the times that I got injured, I mean, it wasn't often, but the times that I had major injuries in jiu-jitsu and I couldn't do anything, I couldn't even do technique as like, yeah. you know, torn MCL, like I could barely do anything. I still came to class and, you know, put my gi on and sat and watched people. And it's kind of, re re it's relatable to what we were saying because you learn mm -hmm. a lot from watching. So even though you can't be on the mat, you'd be like, oh, he's doing that that way. I don't do it that way. So I should do yeah. it this way. So it's good. And there's actually a guy um, that we have uh, at our school who's currently has like this major growing uh, injury. And he's... Oh, uh, Ryan? Ryan, yeah. yeah, and he can't, uh, he won't be rolling for a while, but he still comes to class, puts on his gi, yeah. and, and watches everything that's going on. I think that's really cool, and he's a white belt, yeah. So um, he's doing that as a white belt. Imagine, you know, and about it, you're, when we're rolling, we do our five rounds or whatever, you know, six or seven minute rolls. Mm -hmm. We're not watching anybody, so we don't have an opportunity to watch really. We just yeah. do it right. So maybe sitting out, you know, like that when you're injured, yeah, definitely. I would mm. say definitely would help. So everybody, Phil and Fred have always said that too. Yeah. Our our instructors, our professors, uh, Carlos, they they always said, you know, even if you're injured, get in here, put your gi on, sit down and watch and learn learn from watching. It's true. Yeah. One thing that I was trying to push at some, this was when I was a blue belt though. So obviously people don't listen to me, but now I'm a purple belt. So people might listen a little more <laughs> and I have a podcast, yeah. uh, <laughs> but, um, what I, what I do find, um, interesting or could be beneficial is that if you were to take maybe once or twice a week and you were able, uh, and what you did is that we used to do this at Gracie Baja because I started as a Gracie Baja student. We used to do that instead of, so there'd be 15 people lined up all along the wall, but you would only put up three stations. So it'd be three sets of people rolling. So everyone else was either talking between themselves or most or people watching. were watching what was going on. So when those six people were done, they'd come back, come back in line and then a new group would come in. But everyone is kind of watching everyone roll yeah. and people are giving each other advice after class. They'd be like, oh, I noticed this. You should do this this way. Or, hey, do you think you could help me out You know, with this? And it was really interesting. And it was fun because you, know, you don't have that – it's, it's good to keep a, a big pace and to do like, you know, 10 rounds in a class. Like, that's okay. But it's fun to kind of take a break in between those rounds to analyze what I did and maybe look at other people yeah. and then go in a little fresher and then start a new role. Um, I had proposed it back in the day, but I think there, there are some instructors that do that from time to time. I don't think it's a weekly thing, but I think that, that's a good format. I've noticed the only times we've ever done it is when we had – it was an event of some kind of an occasion, and mm -hmm. there was – a shitload of There's people. too many people on that. So they had no choice to do it that way. But now as it is, I don't think there'd be time in the class to do it where everyone would get five rolls in. Right. Someone would suffer and not get as many rolls. Yeah. So they'd have to either extend the class or divide it up a little differently. So less technique and more sparring. Yeah. Carlos, do you, do you guys do any uh, specific training at your gym? Specific training like or the, like the structure? Yeah. Um, so we've gone through phases. So right now it's very traditional in the sense that you know, we'll do our warm ups, we'll do a technique, and then we roll. But and it's and when we roll, it's like open mat. Like the mat, is, the, my coach always says, you know, the mat is yours to everybody, and then we all just do our thing and roll. Mm -hmm. But I'm a big believer personally on, on on what you just said on having everyone line up and watch um, for many many reasons. One, the obvious, which is you know you're watching and learning as we already discussed. And second, there's a lot of people that avoid certain people, whether it's because they think they're too good or, or they're not good enough or whatever the reason, or they have a stinky gi. I don't know. People, <laughs> people avoid certain people. And how can you grow as a jiu-jitsu fighter or as a player if you're not really testing yourself and rolling with the people that beat you all the time? A lot of people avoid those that beat them. So it would be nice that at the end of the, of the session, and we used to do this back in the day, the instructor should pick who you're rolling with, at least for two rounds, where the instructor picks, then you guys will, and then you can choose who you roll with. But the instructor should take mental notes of knowing who his student does well against who and pair them pair them up in a way that he can see growth, you know? That's something I would really believe in. If I was to have my own school, that's something I would definitely do. 
that's yeah that that's really interesting i think that's a that'd be a good way to go about it too especially if you have see in our school it's a little different because we have instructors that are spread out all over the place during the week because we you know we we have quite a big handful of, of black belts so we'll have a you know a one black belt that will teach on Mondays and Wednesdays, another one that will teach Tuesday nights, another one that will teach Thursday nights, and during the day at lunchtime it will be different. Um, so it's a little it's a little hard because you don't have one instructor that's constantly seeing the same students all the time. But it's 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 not typical in in most schools. You have the same guy teaching three or four nights in a week, so it'd be easier to do. But I, I definitely like that. I used to I used to own a karate school, and I, I I've been doing karate since I was young, and I used to do that in karate. Uh, in traditional martial arts, you see that a little bit more. You know, you're, you spend a lot more time watching what's going on with your students, and then you can start handpicking people. Like, okay, well, he doesn't do great against that guy, so let's put him up and see if there's been any improvement. Um, right. But yeah, it could definitely uh, kind of come. Uh, I, I think it could flow really well with with jujitsu too. Is just, I guess you have to have a, a very active instructor. You got you, you obviously have instructors that roll with your students too, right? Oh yes, yes. Yeah, I, I, I think that's... that. My coach is like 50, I should not say that, he's an older guy, <laughs> but uh, I, did I, 40, I meant to say 40 something, and uh, yeah, he still rolls, man, he still rolls with everybody, even the big, big dogs, he rolls. Yeah, I, I we we I think we're pretty lucky also in our school that we have we have instructors of all ages, which is really good too. But I mean, it doesn't really matter if you're 40 or you're 50. I mean, we we get good roles with with you know our one of our professors, Professor Mark, who's I don't know how old he is, and I always give him a different age. But I it's mean, like 52, I think, or something. Yeah, yeah, and he's just like maybe it's, more. It's just brutal rolling with him. Charles, Professor Charles yeah, Everling so was the same thing too who's in the States, who's also, I think, in his 50s, yeah, right? Yeah, he's a little younger than me. I think Mark's like 54 and Charles is 51 or 52. Yeah. Oh, I think you were talking about the other Charles from West Island. No, no. but that Charles is a, is a beast, too. <laughs> but he's not old. Yeah, but he's not old. He's actually, he. I thought he was like in his late 30s. Yeah, but he's like 28 or something. Yeah, right? he's super yeah. young. It's crazy. Yeah, 28 wow. and already a black belt. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy. Carlos, how old are you? I'm 31. You're 31. Okay. I think you were saying too in your bio that you uh, you also run a marketing company, right? Yes, uh, I do market research and marketing campaigns. I do. Okay. Okay. Nice. So, how often do you find yourself training jiu-jitsu during the week? Uh, right now, I'm doing four times a week: Mondays, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and some Fridays. Okay. I would be doing Sundays as well, but that's like the family day where you gotta go see mom and dad. Right. <laughs> Saturdays were closed, so then I can't train. Uh, and then Wednesdays is the one day where I, just, I deliberately decide not to train just because uh, that's where I catch up with all, all the work that I have to do. Okay, nice. Have you ever competed in, in your own events? Once. I, wait, is it, twice. I have twice. Once was in Montreal, okay. and the other time was, uh, yes, around here. I lost to this really good brown belt, and it was Bruce Miano. Okay. Uh, but yes, I have, yeah. Okay, nice. And are you someone who competes outside? Like, do, are, are you an active competitor? Do you, do you, do you compete also you know, as a brown belt? No, I used to. I used to, but it's funny you say that because just today, like literally today, I got an invite to do another super fight. So I don't know if you guys have heard about the uh, Parabellum Quintet. That's amazing. I want to jump in on that so bad, but I, I, I got I got to find team members to do that with me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's it's so cool. Yeah, you basically yeah. Uh, you get a, a team together. So you'd have a, like like a BTT West Island team yeah. where it's like four or five guys, and you all travel to this event and you fight team versus team. Don't they have a big like a famous one like that? Or is that the famous one? The no, no. Oh. What's the big one? Carl's Yeah, well, yeah the, the, the big famous one, is, it's actually called Quintet. Yeah, it's actually called, it's, oh, it's, it's called Quintet. And it, it's from Sakuraba. Uh, and, and the thing is, um, it's just having that, that branding effect, where which is a fantastic for him. But you guys know, like a, you know what a Band-Aid is, right? But a, a Band-Aid, like literally a Band-Aid. Band <laughs> yeah, literally a Band-Aid. The funny, the, the reason I'm bringing that up is because a Band-Aid is actually the name of the company, but they actually use the word Band-Aid to the refer oh, to the okay. actual yeah, product. Kleenex or whatever, yeah, yeah. Exactly. You pass me a Kleenex. Yeah. It's, it's, it, that's not what it is, a tissue paper but or whatever you want to call it. But, but Quintet is the name of the thing you put together, and now people use that as the verb. That's yeah. what I'm trying to get, okay. get at, which is fantastic. Yeah, that's great branding, right? Yeah. It's fantastic branding and good for him. Hmm. Wow. But yes, the quintet thing is is uh, is uh, is from Sakuraba. A lot of a lot of people are doing that. We also have our version of team battles. We had one in, in Montreal. Um, but uh, but yes, I competed in the very first uh, Parabellum Quintet, not with a team. They have super fights before the main team headliners. Okay. 
And that's what I'll be doing January 25th uh, at the next Parabellum, not with a team. So I won't be competing with a team. It's just myself. Okay, nice. Okay, that's cool. And how long have you been at Brown Belt for? Fuck, man, a while. I think uh, <laughs> I think four years, Okay, okay. maybe close to five. The reason I'm still at Brown is because uh, Ian – Ian was my coach since day one, mm -hmm. and I do. I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't know if I deserve it yet or not. That's not. You sh that should never be for me to say. But, right. um, but I do know that he wants to give me his black. So he wants to take me from white to black, and he can't give out black belts until he has one degree on his stripe, which, uh, which soon actually. Oh wow! Hmm. I actually didn't know that. Neither did I. Huh. Well, every 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 uh, every uh, I don't not division, but every uh, association is different. Okay. Uh, like, for example, we have to pass tests with Drysdale for uh, blue, purple, and brown. There's actually a test you have to pass, like a certain number of takedowns, certain number of escapes, certain number of this, certain number of that, like an actual literal test. Mm -hmm. um, for black belt, you kind of just get it. Other associations, I don't know about you guys, do you, others don't have tests. Sometimes they just get surprised. I personally believe in the surprise because as a coach, as an instructor, I should be able to know how good you are in, in, in every single way. Mm -hmm. um, but... Um, but yeah, I don't know if I don't know if other associations also require you to have one degree to give out black belts. That, that I don't know, but that's the case with Robert. Yeah, I don't know. We're 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 in a club that, that we we do tests also. So we we have a curriculum that we have to learn, and for uh, each belt except for black, uh, we go down to headquarters and we do like an exam period basically. But if you if you've made it to the exam periods because your professor thinks you know you're of caliber and that you do know the techniques and that's why he's sending you there to do your exam basically. And um, yeah, there are more and more schools that are doing that here in Montreal that are doing belt tests that have a curriculum. I think it's very old. School school to just kind of surprise someone with their belt and not that there's anything wrong with that because when I was at Gracie Pond that was the way it worked it was just you know your your instructor you just showed up to class and all of a sudden you know someone's taking you down and you end up with a different belt around your waist uh, but uh, I, everyone has their own way of doing things I don't think there's no right or wrong way to do it I, like you said every, every association has their own way of of doing promotions yeah and and, and, and I mean I don't how do you feel do you prefer test or surprise Honestly, I, uh, it, I, I'm very like, I, I'm half half because I do in I switched from Gracie Baja to BTT. So when I left Gracie Baja, I went in and I did a class at every single jiu-jitsu school in Montreal. And that's no joke. I literally did every single school. Wow. I was tr I really wanted to find the right fit, and I wanted to find the right fit and stay there and never leave. So I gave myself the best odds by going and doing a class everywhere. And um, so one class, you judged them with one class. I uh, yeah, I, I had no choice. Why is because I didn't want to take a break from jujitsu. I needed to make a decision. I need to make it quick because the last thing I wanted was to do you know a week here, a week there, a week there, and then eventually be like oh like I'll, I'll you're just that guy yeah just kind of like give it up and then a month will go by and i still didn't make a decision so i based myself on one class which is which is a little harsh but, yeah, but most people don't base it on any classes yeah they'll try one maybe two schools and then they'll join somewhere yeah. and most of the time i think they just join the first one they go to yeah and our, i already knew what jiu-jitsu was i was a yeah. blue belt at the time right so i was looking for you know a schedule a class schedule that worked with my work schedule and my personal life. I was, you know, judging on when I went and tried the class, did the instructor come and talk to me, you know, after class, did he ask me, you know, how long was I a blue belt for and all these little things, you know, so I was, you know, but I, I wanted to do it quick enough to be able to find, you know, a, a good place for me. Um, so the reason why I chose BTT over the rest is because BTT was the only one at the time that had a curriculum and I'm a very analytical type of person. So if you tell me you need to know this and this to be able to move on and to progress, then I'll do everything in my power to learn, you know, A and B to be able to move on. If you, if I was doing class and then every class was a different technique, I know that that's not the way that I learned, so it wouldn't have been good for me. So that's why I picked Brazilian Top Team because of the curriculum. But I, I do miss that kind of like you just show up to class and all of a sudden, you know, you, you you're get – You're working on yeah, whatever. Yeah, you're working on what – you know, there, no, it's not that. That's working – but back to the promotion as in like yeah. you don't know when it's going to happen and oh, then, you know, like not based on curriculum. and It's because your instructor has been watching you, mm -hmm. right? He's been analyzing what you're doing without really telling you. I, I, well, I kind of like both. See, I wanted to chime in because I, you know, I don't want Carlos or anybody to think that at our school or at the schools that have this curriculum, that's solely the you know the deciding factor, no, not and it's yeah. definitely not. Yeah. The curriculum that we have, it's like a day one, day two kind of thing for each belt um, 
level between belts. And I think it's just kind of a baseline, mm-hmm. right, to uh, certain moves, something structured for everybody to follow. And yeah. But Fred and Phil and everybody, they're constantly talking when it's belt promotion time. Mm-hmm. Hey, how's this guy doing? Yeah, this. I've been watching him roll. And so they definitely have their own notes, which might even be a greater factor than the list. But the list is, like we said, it's a baseline for every student, you know, for all of us to, to kind of follow and, yeah. and learn. And then some people might learn it in four months. Yeah. Right, the curl like day one, day two, but still not be ready to go on because they're not, you know, applying it and rolling that yeah. often. And then some people might not even finish learning it properly by the time they're ready to actually go on. Yeah, yeah, because knowing the curriculum doesn't mean that I'm ready for another right. belt. Exactly. It's just I've learned a series of moves, yeah. but what do I do with them now? Yeah. Right. So, yeah, I think it's a good base. I like the fact that there's a base and then you kind of build off of that base onto other things. Mm -hmm. Uh, I find it really interesting, but yet there's schools that, you know, have no curriculum. You know what I mean? There I've been, you know, at Gracie Baja, technically they have like the fun, I think it was the fundamentals and they have like different days and this and that. But at the time it was a new Gracie Baja. So it was like every day was almost like a, like a new technique. And it wasn't necessarily a bad way because you were exposed to a lot of different things and you could kind of pick and choose what was working for you. But as a white belt and a blue belt, I didn't really know what was working for me. Someone, I I needed someone to tell me, you know what I mean? But uh, yeah, I think there's pros and cons of both. Yeah. I I think there should be a sweet marriage between the two and, and, because you, you guys are both absolutely right. Like, if I was to have a school, I would have a curriculum for sure, but I wouldn't have tests for the belts. Right. Because, because I mean, let's look at the to me, the reason why I'm against tests. And by the way, I, they're fine. I think they're great. I think they work. If if it's the experience that I want to give my students, so getting promoted is a very special thing. I, obviously, I don't have to tell you that. It's just a, such a wonderful symbol of progression and growth and mental and physical there's just so much that goes to it if i test you because by the way the way our tests work is that you you pass the test you don't get promoted immediately after you say you passed or you failed and if you pass then okay eventually you're gonna get uh, eventually you're gonna get uh, the belt sometime soon but you already know it's coming it's not a surprise it's not a shock but when there's a curriculum and you know that you're working on your leg attacks your passes your sweeps your mounted attacks your back escape whatever it is Okay, great. So as an instructor, I am making sure that you're, what's the word, uh, well-rounded. Fantastic. But I won't tell you that I'm going to promote you. When the day comes that I decide to promote you, I would pick a day that there's a lot of people. Maybe it's a Christmas thing or, or either way. And it would it's the perfect opportunity for me to recognize that student or students if I want to do multiple promotions and talk about them, make them feel special and valued and recognized because that matters more. That experience of them being recognized by this person they look up to who's teaching them and spending time with them and just – I just want to make that ceremony, that experience worth as much as possible. And I feel like when I do a test, I take a little bit of that away. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's better or worse. I just feel like I don't want to take away from that moment. It's just – damn. Like when I get my black belt, that's it. I'm never going to get another promotion ever again to another color. Like that's it. So every single time you get promoted, blue, purple, brown, those are big deals. Like I'm talking a party, at least. Maybe I just like jujitsu too much. I don't know. Or or partying. (laughs) But yeah, they both work. Yeah, yeah. What were you going to say, Brian? I was going to say, Carlos, I got to disagree with you, man. I love it. I I I totally agree with you with the whole surprise factor. I think it's really important. But I Mm -hmm. feel the surprise factor still because I think just a a, a way of how you present the surprise to the student. So when I've gotten my belt promotions, it's the surprise came when my instructor said, you're going for your belt test. You're going for your belt Mm -hmm. in two weeks. Oh, wow. I'm so happy. Or, Oh my God, I don't deserve it. Or whatever. All the feelings we feel it happens at that moment. The only difference is that he's like, you, you're good. You, you put the work in, you know, your, your lists, you're, you're, you're ready. Okay, great. So you just brush up on it and make sure everything's clean and tight. And, and then the actual belt promotion day, there's a whole shitload of people there getting it. And it's, it's just a ceremony and it's a celebration of everything. And we go through the motions and do the actual sequences. Those are our, that's our test, but it's not a test where they're walking around grading us. And then they decide that day whether we pass or not. If it's you're not there, it's because you're... If you're there, it's because you've already made it. Yeah. Your coach believes you're ready and you've already accomplished it. So the surprise came. It just came a little bit earlier saying, guess what? You're getting your purple belt. Mm-hmm. 
you're, you know, in two weeks, this is the belt exempt, and you've earned it, and you've got it. Oh, great, blah, blah, blah. That's the surprise. Yeah, maybe give Carlos an overview, too, of how it works with, you know, what, when, so the instructors, our instructors will, will come let us know, hey, like you're, like you're going for your belt in two weeks, right? So what happens is that we, we do belt tests twice a year. So what happens is that everyone from all the different BTTs, affiliates. all the affiliates, they all show up on the same day. So you'll show up for your belt test, and there's like 300 people. In no, the, not that many. So, no, I'm talking about. No, I'm talking about if you do all the, if you do white belts, blue belts, yeah. purple belts, brown belts, black belts, like all the promotions. That's still not 300. You don't think it's that no, many? No, no, no. I remember a couple years ago I counted. It was like 60 people, 70 people. So now it's probably like. There's 80, still a lot of people. 80, yeah. 80 or 100 people. Oh yeah, I thought it was more than that. No, I don't think so. It got bigger, and that's why they said they separated the um, the kids from the adults. Okay. Because they used to do the kids and the adults one after the other all day long. And now they do it on two different days. Hmm. So the kids' promotion is like all the kids now. Now there's like, you know, 50, 60 kids probably, you know, getting their right, – right, maybe, right. maybe not quite, but yeah, maybe that many. Maybe yeah. 30, 40 kids getting their belts. And then the adults, there's another – probably another 80 adults getting their belt promotion, yeah. right? So the more people join also, right, as Jiu-Jitsu is growing and BT is getting bigger, mm -hmm. there's more people joining. Therefore, there's more people getting their belt promotions, right? Yeah. So, so everyone shows up at HQ. Everyone does their series of techniques, and then the belts are given out. But they're given out in front of, you know, everyone, yeah. all the different affiliates. So it only happens twice a year. So, like, they really make an event out of it. Yeah. So, yeah, we call it about tests, but in reality, it's more like… It's a ceremony. Yeah, it's a ceremony. Yeah, it's a ceremony yeah. to get your belt that you've already earned. Yeah. 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 That, that sounds awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's not bad. So maybe tell, um, let everybody know where they could find uh, your events online and how they can sign up and uh, costs and all that fun stuff. Yeah, of course. So uh, if anyone wants to do a Versus Me event in Ontario or in Montreal, they can go to vsmeinc.com. That's versusmeinc.com. Uh, all the events are listed there. The prices are ranging from twenty four ninety nine to thirty four ninety nine, depending on whether you want to do one or two divisions, uh, gi or no gi, uh, or both. Uh, our callouts are unlimited, so keep that in mind. So you can get as many matches as you can handle. Um, for the business, for the marketing, it's Ivory Business Solutions. If you need any type of market research uh, um, or business strategy or consulting, IvoryBusinessSolutions.com. And Toronto Nogi is located at Young and St. Clair in Toronto. Nice. Awesome. So what if um, there are some jiu-jitsu schools that wouldn't mind being a a, a host to one of your oh, events? That, that's, that's something we didn't talk about. That's super important. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So if, you, if you're interested in hosting one, just shoot us a message, whether it's uh, an email, info at vsmeinc.com or on our social media. Just shoot us a, a DM there. We do share 10% of profits with the school owners at the end of the month because um, you know we do use their space. Um, and there's no cost to join. We do once a month, so there is a limit. We are booking now for 2020, the first season, which is January to June. Uh, January, February, and March are already booked, but if you're interested in booking some dates, let me know. Uh, yeah, thanks for that plug, man. I almost forgot that. Hey, no problem. <laughs> Great, Carlos. Well, I really appreciate you being on. Thanks for your time. I know you're a busy guy, and uh, hopefully uh, we'll get to see you at uh, one of your uh, Versus Me events. Absolutely, man. Thank you so much for having me. Right, thanks, Carlos. Care. You've been listening to Let's Talk Jiu-Jitsu with Raymond Terrence. Go follow us on Facebook and Instagram. And don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube page. Turn on notifications and press that like button. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on the mats.